Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, you're choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more right now at parkpower.ca. You are now entering the quarantine zone. <laughs> so uh, we're all sick here yep. at Shea Read Along. Um, since last week, basically right after we recorded our previous episode, everyone in the house has been getting sick one after the other after the other. And that's the case right now. So the kids are both at home. We are recording at an odd hour to offset that. <laughs> yeah. And we're both feeling kind of lousy. So better than we were the other day. Certainly we are on the rebound, but um, we are not well enough that this might be a bit of a perfunctory episode. We didn't want to miss an episode this week, but um, it might be a little shorter and more succinct than normal. <laughs> we're not going to languish in it. Scott's going to have to edit out some coughing. Almost certainly. That's all we're saying. So uh, with that said, I think we'll just kind of burn through the preamble here and do a quick recap of our previous chapter, chapter 13, in which Pollux takes the lead and uh, gets everybody to head towards the flight deck so that they can enact the plan the Ensigns put together, but then they run into the Kepler. In a moment of incredible bravery, Pollux tells everybody to, in fact, orders everybody pointedly uh, to head up in front of her and then gets abandoned by Morvin, who locks her in a room with a monster. Morvin is terrible. And that leads us into chapter 14 of Screams from the Void by Anne Tibbets. So, yeah, we we pick up almost exactly where we left off. Yep. As opposed to, you know, jumping around or having another flashback. So we cut to Morvan heading back to the ladder, telling everybody to get up, having just abandoned Pollux in the greenhouse. Yeah, they're all in the mid-deck, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's still a deck down from the flight deck, and Morvan's like, keep going up. The Sarge has decided to hold the fort so we can continue on. And Reyna immediately does not believe this. Uh, and rightly so. Now, I had posited last chapter that Reyna was going to call him on this, and that other people would be skeptical, but... As is typical, Morvan actually does have a pass on this one because he has a very mm. plausible excuse for what happened, That's which is the that problem. the sergeant ordered them to continue on and is holding off the Kepler. And despite the fact that every part of Raina's being, down to the marrow of her bones, mm. is screaming at her that this is a lie, she can't refute it because Pollux's last words to her were to order everybody up. 
And it does seem like the kind of thing that Pollux would do. Yes, brash, headstrong Pollux would absolutely do that. Yes. It's in character for her. That's that's the problem, is that Morvan has a very plausible lie. Too plausible. Plausible enough that basically Niles, like, that sounds like that was the order. Keep going. Well, yeah. I. Mm, it bugs me how... How well Morvan gets away with all this crap. Everything keeps coming up, Morvan. I hate it. Without any real ability to truly counter Morvan's claim here, except I have a feeling, my social read is that Morvan is a liar, they have to continue on. And unfortunately, the flight deck isn't big enough for all of them. So part of the team is going to have to stay down in the mid deck while the others go up. Tamsin needs to go up because... She's the one who knows how to make the computer go. Yeah. Reyna basically heads up first with Tamsin behind and Morvan taking up the rear. And Reyna gets up to the flight deck and instantly takes in the carnage and is like, oh, this is not good. Well, they already know it's going to be not good because they've encountered blood and vomit and yeah. et cetera on the way there, right? Yeah. And we all know what state Tamsin is in. Yeah. So Reyna's like, Tam, brace yourself. And Tam real bad. is not able to brace herself. Even if she did brace, like, yeah. this this is overwhelming for her. She is not okay. Yeah. She was not okay coming in. There was no amount of bracing that was going to make her okay. Morvan effectively hauls her in to the flight deck. I mean, he's below her, so he just kind of pushes her up. And Tamsin just falls completely to pieces. Oh, yeah. Sobbing, rocking, like, she can't. She yeah. is a non-functioning human being right now. Morvan and Reyna try very opposite methods of trying to get her to cooperate at this juncture. Because it's like, Tam, you're the one who knows the controls. You know what to do. Yeah, Reyna's trying to tell her, like, just focus on the one thing, right? Like, one thing at a time. Or just tell me what to do. Yeah. Like, we have to do this, and Tam can't even do that. No, and Morvin's getting more and more aggravated. Because Morvin. Because Morvin. To the point where he actually strikes Tamsin to try to knock some sense into her. slaps her right across the face. Yeah, which prompts Reyna to pull a weapon on him. Oh, rightly so. She's like, you do not touch her again. And Morvin's like, I'm just trying to like snap some sense into her. And she's like, no, no, no. <laughs> you back off. But that's enough to just literally send Tamsin running back downstairs. She's gone. She's out of the picture. I don't even think she runs. I think she falls. I think they like drop her down the ladder. And then the two of them are stuck in the flight deck alone. And Reyna's already uncomfortable being in the flight deck with Morvin alone. But Morvin, at the very least, presents her with a problem, which is, can you do this without Tam? And Reyna's like, I can try to hotwire something, but it's not going to be pretty. And he's like, do it. Like, well, what not, option do we have? It's not going to be pretty and it's not going to be all that fast. No. Had Tam kept it together, right? It might have just been click, 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 done. But that's not an option right now. No. So Tamson Reyna... Tamson has checked out. <laughs> Tamson has left the ship. So basically, yeah, Reyna goes into the controls and starts pulling out wires and boards and all sorts of stuff. And she, she hotwires the ship. After an agonizing several minutes of working on this, finally, she manages to blow the airlock. And they watch excitedly as the second spore pod floats out into space, blown out of the airlock. Thankfully, meaning they only have one creature on board to deal with. Yes, thank goodness. I was genuinely worried that they were going to like release this pod out into space and notice that it was empty, right? Now, the downside to this is that because Reyna had to jury rig the airlock to blow, there's no way to close it now. Yeah, so it's kind of stuck open. Yeah, and this presents a problem, because Morvin's like, if we can't close it, that means we're not going to be able to re-enter atmosphere. And Reyna's like, that's assuming we even get back. And he's like, eh, fair point. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong on that. And they have a very awkward moment. The whole time, this whole scene, this whole chapter is just 
awkward and I hate it. Like they're, they were pressed up against one another to check out the window to see if the airlock would go. And then Reyna becomes cognizant of how close she is to him. And then he kind of leans in to congratulate her in a really creepy way. And she's like, dude, this is neither the time nor the place. Right? And then she manages to actually kind of derail that into a more pressing issue, which is, dude, you're scratching your hands a lot. And he's like, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? She's like, scratch, 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 scratch. look at your hands. And he does. And it kind of dawns on him at that moment. Yeah, his hands are like oh, yeah. red from scratching and rash. and rash. He's got white splotches on them. And he's like, well, it's not a big deal. And she's like, no, no, no. You're not following my train of thought, guy. This seems to be the same thing that's affecting Pollux. But I don't appear to have anything affecting me. I don't know how it could have spread to you. And he's like what does it matter? You're focusing on something that doesn't matter right now. And she's like, no, it might have to do with the alien pods. There was all that slime that y'all were touching without protective equipment. Well, I'm pretty sure in the very near future, we're going to notice that Avram is also very itchy. And hopefully they'll put two and two together that it's from the pod. Well, and she also points out, like, if this gets worse, if this is an allergic reaction, it could turn into anaphylactic shock. Like, I am concerned because you could die. And that, at the very least, gets through to him, and he's like, fair point. <laughs> Avram might not be long for the story at this juncture. Well, he's already gone into anaphylactic shock once. At least he's, I think it was anaphylactic he's, shock. He's alive due to, like, epinephrine at the moment. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, this is just one more problem that they really don't need. But it's theirs anyway. So, Morvan is like, okay, I have a plan. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to send out the distress signal. And Rain is like, we were told by Niall that we're not supposed to, like, we're not authorized to do that. And he's like, I don't care what Niall has to say. We're going to send out the distress signal. I'm just trying to save everyone's skins here. <laughs> Although he actually says our skins. Yes. To be specific, which Reyna does linger on. Well, because he doesn't want to be the survivor. He wants to be the hero. It's true. And in order to do that, other people have to survive. And he does send out the distress signal. And he's like, look, if anybody asks, we'll just say, the captain had already sent it out. And she's like, I thought you didn't care what Niall had to say. And he's like, I don't care what he thinks, but I do care that he's a problem. A problem. Yeah, which does it. does catch Reyna a little bit. She's like, what do you mean Niall's a problem? I hate it. He's a problem because he's higher ranked than Morvan is. That's why I hate and it. probably next on Morvan's hit list. Ugh. Morvan truly is the monster. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that because... Um, Friend of the pod, Ron. Oh, we love you, Ron. Did write to us last week, unfortunately, after we had already recorded our episode. <laughs> so we didn't get a chance to mention it last episode. Sorry, Ron, but we will mention it this episode. You get your shout out now. Uh, he did write to us and say, you know what? I think we've got this backwards. I think the blurb on the book is vague. And what it's actually saying is that the murderer on board is the Kepler and the monster on board is Morvan. <laughs> yeah, I read that comment and I was like, yes, a thousand percent. Yes, Nail hit firmly on the head, Ron. Yes. Yeah, he he was saying it from the accusing parlor. I've gathered you all here in the accusing parlor. Accuse. <laughs> all are welcome to the accusing parlor. It's true. I kind of threw it in there because you you mentioned it. So no, because uh, I agree. I think <laughs> I think the Kepler is our murderer because it's going around killing people, and Morvin is a monster. Uh, because he's a monster. He is the worst. His only people skill is abuse. Bullying and abuse. Uh, no, like most serial abusers, he's perfectly capable of putting on the charm. Mm. Yeah, but not when it really matters. His solution to Tamsin having a breakdown is to slap her. Yeah. Great people skills, buddy. Two thumbs up. Thanks, I hate it. Most of this chapter is 
very much, and this is the frustrating thing that Rain has been doing all books so far, is very much her twisting herself in knots about what she thinks about Morvan. And that's because on the one hand, she has the proof in front of her eyes that he's done something terrible. And at the same time, just enough plausible deniability that she's like, but am I just projecting on him because I have a negative opinion of him? So today in Anita Should Have Gone Into Psychology. I do not believe I'm being helped by this session. Lassie, transference. Your anger toward me is in fact the animosity you feel toward your father. This seems to me a person with no credentials <laughs> behind her. Uh, this seems to me the thought process of a person who has been abused and gaslit. Because she sees something right in front of her. It's super obvious to her. It's very, very super obvious to us because we as readers are given more information than our characters. And then she doubts it. And then she has doubts on top of her doubts. The problem here also is that she has no concrete proof. It is Morvin's word against hers. And she has reason to doubt Morvin's word. And Morvin certainly has motive and had a means in order to enact the worst of what she assumes, but she was not there to see it. And his lie does have the little bit of plausibility in it. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, and this is, I'm going to turn this back around on Morvin. Morvin seems to me like the kind of person who can lie best and first to himself. Oh, yeah, I agree. And so... Like, I don't think that he just wants to be the hero. I think he really does think he's the hero. Mm -hmm. And I think that he sees all of his actions as very justified. And more than that, I, I can see him lying to himself that when he locked Pollux in the room with the Kepler, it was because she ordered him up the ladder and she was holding the line for them. I sincerely believe that he could talk himself into that. I don't think in the moment he thought that. I think this is something he will convince himself of later because it's going to be the lie that he tells everybody over and over and over again until he believes it. Yeah. There's one other thing that jumped out at me this chapter, and that was after he sends out the distress signal, uh, Raina very realistically asks, do you think anybody's going to come? And he's like, first of all, they're going to come for the plants. And depressingly, she realizes that because they're living in an alien universe where the company doesn't really care about the personnel, because astronauts are a dime a dozen, alien plants are very valuable. <laughs> yeah. You can always hire another crew. Uh, the United Space Corps is going to put more value on their cargo. Which is so depressing. Yeah. Which might explain, again, why some of those weird protocols are in place. Maybe. Because we were like, it's, it seems weird that they wouldn't send out a distress call if there was an alien creature on board. And now maybe we know why. Number two, she also thinks to herself that this is kind of a long shot anyway, because she'd be surprised if there's anybody in their sector, uh, especially because they're, and this is paraphrasing, uh, so far from their own galaxy. And that made me go, wait, excuse me? How fast is faster than light in this, in this universe? And so I actually did a little look up back at the beginning of the book, and they're in orbit around Gliese 581G, which is an actual exoplanet about 20 light years from Earth, which is in our stellar neighborhood and definitely in the Milky Way galaxy. So I was like, that doesn't parse. So I'm wondering if that's a slight error in the book or just Reyna being ignorant about the difference between a solar system and a galaxy. Maybe. Because Reyna's a mechanic, and so I'm willing to forgive her not being up on her space terms. Like, probably, because the line came from Reyna's thoughts. Yes. Right? 
And so it would make sense that she would interchange something like solar system and galaxy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but the creature came from a stop at Kepler-22b in our galaxy. They're currently in orbit around Gliese-581g in our galaxy. Just not in our solar system. Yeah, so that's why it jumped out at me. And I looked it up because I was like, how far away are they? (laughs) Are they in Andromeda? What's going on here? Uh, So, yeah. Well, to get back around to it, the answer to the question is pretty far, but not too far. It's still bad. <laughs> oh, no, for sure. It's still bad. For sure, it's still bad. And and again, I mean, they were on an exoplanet survey kind of out on the fringes of space. That's definitely, of, of explored space. That's definitely what we're picking up. So they're pretty far out no matter what. Yeah. But they were on their way home. Yes. Right? So there's well, that. I don't know that they didn't have any more stops before getting back to Earth, but they were definitely on the return trip. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They They had, what, six months left in their... Uh, Less at this point, yeah. Yeah, in their two-year tour, right? But this is space. It's real big. So they're still pretty far. Yeah. So before we close out the chapter, because this is basically where it ends. Yeah, the the chapter goes pretty quick. Yeah, with Reyna being concerned. um, I'm a little worried that Morvan is getting that much closer to being completely unhinged. If you look at him compared to, well... Our two other characters. Tamsin, we know, is a lost cause right now, right? She's lost it entirely. But Reyna has remained very level-headed, right? She focused on what she was doing. She was focused on helping Tam. She's got her wits about her still. Morvin is all over the place. He's upset. He's gruff. And then the next moment, he's, like, intimately congratulating Reyna, like, in her ear, right? And, like, he's up and down and back and forth, and I don't think that's a very good sign. I mean, he was emotionally unhinged before they were in a crisis situation. So. Yeah, but it's getting worse. We And we discussed this in a previous chapter. The The person who is best equipped to be a leader right now on this crew is Reyna. She's the one who's keeping a level head. She's the one who's keeping them on track. She's the one who's formulating plans. Avram would be okay if he wasn't in the midst of, like... A medical emergency. Yeah, exactly. A horrible allergic reaction. Tamsin has just descended into a PTSD nightmare. Yes. Niall clearly doesn't feel comfortable being in charge in this situation. Pollux is also in the midst of a medical emergency. Yes. That pretty much just leaves Reyna. And pretty much everyone else is dead. Yeah. Yeah, that leaves Reyna. But the... And... Reyna doesn't want that position, though. Like, no. we, we also established that when we were talking about it. In her forebrain, she actually would rather Morvin take charge. She doesn't trust him. She doesn't like him. She doesn't think he's well-suited to lead. But she doesn't see the other option because she doesn't see how capable she is. And that's because she's been the victim of abuse. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> I know Pollux keeps coming back to bad odds all the time. Mm-hmm. The problem is she's incredibly right. She's very right. The odds are so bad. Everything is going wrong. Yeah. And we're right in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> but we'll have to see if maybe maybe something will go right next chapter. It would be awful nice if something something else good happened to them. So far, we've had one good thing. Yeah, right? they got the spore out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the, the weird, gross, scary space pod out in space. Yeah. So that's one less problem. One, one in the win column. There's a whole bunch in the lose column that we need to account for. Yeah. But uh, maybe we'll notch another W up as we move into chapter 15, which you'll want to read up on in time for next week. Uh, again, sorry if this is a bit of a perfunctory episode. Uh, hopefully we'll be feeling better next week and we'll be able to 
to give a little bit more analysis. Uh, in the meantime, if you're looking for something else to listen to coming up, um, there are a lot of great podcasts out there. Some of them, though, don't really get the platform that maybe they deserve because maybe they're offering more of like a community service element to them and aren't really putting themselves out there as much as they maybe should or could. Uh, either way, wouldn't you know it, our friends over at the Edmonton Community Foundation have uh, taken it upon themselves to offer up some of their ad space to some of these great programs so that you can learn a little bit more about them. With PodPower, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a PodPower shout-out to Overdue Fines. Overdue Finds is an Edmonton Public Library podcast. Bryce Crittenden and Carolyn Land host conversations about books, movies, music, pop culture, and other interesting news about Edmonton. It's a great way to learn more about what's happening at EPL and about how you can use your library card to access all of EPL's in-person and online services. To listen and find out more about Overdue Finds, head to epl.ca slash podcast. Yeah, Overdue Finds fellow book-related podcast. Yeah. Scott and I have discovered a fantastic use of our library cards. There's an app out there called Canopy, spelled with a K, and it's basically the public library version of, like, a streaming movie service. Yeah. It's, if you could rent a movie from the library, you could actually stream it through Canopy. Yeah. All you need is a library card. It's free. It's fantastic. Uh caveat to that you do get 10 credits per month oh yeah i didn't a, say it was unlimited yeah and a movie gets uh takes a credit but i mean it's 10 good movies the library they have is in my experience pretty deep includes a lot of foreign films classic films if you're looking for that kind of stuff oh we watch a lot of classic movies on yeah Canopy. it's great um i quite have enjoyed that service and so uh, just a free shout out to canopy there absolutely fantastic and everybody should be using it yeah totally unsolicited free ad space yep. right there free plug for canopy yep. because that's, we enjoy it so much that's a hundred dollars worth of free advertising <laughs> if you count one dollar per person who listens to our podcast anyway Woo! <laughs> That said, uh, you can check out uh, other great podcasts right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. You can find them on your podcatcher of choice while you're there. It's probably where you're catching our pod. You should leave us uh, maybe a little rating, maybe a little review. Yeah, you could let us know that you've done that over on social media. Absolutely. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. And we are at the read along on most of them, so we're pretty easy to find. Yeah, you can also send us an email. Absolutely. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. Morbin continues to be terrible. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Goodreads.com.